I want us to look at a passage tonight that um, really is probably of all the passages we've looked at in the book of Haggai, um, this would be what I would call the most personal of all the passages. And you say, why is that? Well, because this message was not for Israel. This message was for the governor of Israel, Zerubbabel, and for him alone. And so as we look at this tonight, it's another message that deals with discouragement. And uh, what I mean by that is this. Have you ever just had the the thought or maybe the feeling, and by the way, I want to say this, uh, feelings can be deceptive. But have you ever had the thought or feeling that you just say, well, you know, God, I just don't feel like I'm being used like I need to be used. And a lot of times we go through those times in our life where we just we just don't feel like we're being used as we want to be used. And sometimes that can bring discouragement. Well, I believe that's what Zerubbabel was going through here. And I'll explain that to you in just a minute. But God's going to give a word of encouragement uh, to Zerubbabel. Uh, because here is uh, the governor of, uh, of this little remnant of, of Israel. Now remember, this is not the whole nation of Israel. Now, I'll remind you again, a lot of Israel stayed back in captivity because they kind of liked it there. And so this is just the remnant of Israel that's come out. And so Zerubbabel is the governor of this remnant. And it's amazing that when you and I can get discouraged, whatever the reason may be, it's amazing that when we really get in right fellowship with God, how God uh, can very much give us a word of encouragement. And in Zerubbabel's case, he, he's literally going to show Zerubbabel, he said, listen, he said, Zerubbabel, you're, you're more part of my plan than you even begin to understand. And it's good to know when God tells you you're part of His plan. Amen? And, and so this is what takes place in this text. So if you would please stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word. And again, the Word of the Lord came to Haggai, in the fourth and twentieth day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen, and I will overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them, and the horses and their riders shall come down every one by the sword of his brother. And in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, will I take thee, O Zerubbabel, now I want you to listen to this wording, it's absolutely amazing. I will take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, saith the Lord, and here it is, and I will make thee as a signet, for I have chosen thee, saith the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that, Lord, you would utilize this in our lives tonight as an admonition of encouragement. That, Father, every one of your children have a very specific place in your divine plan. And, Father, there's not one person that you say that, Lord, you don't have a divine plan for. And, Father, I pray today that we'd understand that and we'd see that. And Father, it'd be a help to us tonight. In your name I pray, and all God's children said, 
Amen. Well, I want you to look first at this word of encouragement. As we find here in verse 20, the Lord now speaks through Haggai to Zerubbabel personally. Now, what was the reason for this word? Now, you have to understand Zerubbabel is the governor over this little remnant of Israel. But in reality, Zerubbabel, by right of his lineage, should be king over a great nation of Israel. And you say, what do you mean by that? Well, his grandfather was a king. He was of the line of David. Therefore, by the line of David, he had royal blood or royal rights. And instead, here's a man that should be king that's just governing a small group of people. And so this alone with whatever all the other stuff that's going on, I mean, we've already seen he's, he's dealt with the disinterest of Israel. He's dealt with the discouragement of Israel. And we just saw this morning that he was dealing with, with literally the despondency of Israel in the fact that they were coming to a place of being discontent in the work of the Lord. And not only that, but all the enemies around them that was very close to them, and these enemies, mainly Persia, these enemies were far greater than this little small remnant of Israel and the concern and the care that would go into, what if these enemies rise up against us like they did in Ezra? What are we going to do? And can I tell you, as a leader, if you get to focusing on those things, you'll get discouraged in a New York second. And Zerubbabel was very much discouraged, and the Lord came along. I'm glad sometimes the Lord just wants to deal with us personally. I'm glad God deals with us corporately. But I'm glad God sometimes just wants to deal with us personally. There's sometimes I need a word that you may not need. And there's sometimes you need a word that I may not need. But I'm glad today God is the God of the personal as well as the God of the corporate. And He has a word for us no matter where we are and no matter what we're going through in our life. And so this is the reason here for this word that God gives Zerubbabel. Now, his grandfather was King Jehoiachin. And, and, and Jehoiachin was was the king that literally God disavowed, literally took the kingship away. But yet at the same time, being the heir, he was a man that by all rights of the law of that day should be a great king. And instead, he's just governing a small group of people. Wouldn't it be easy for you to say, wait a minute, I, I'm, I should, I deserve more than this? I mean, that's what our flesh would say. You ever, you ever felt wrong? And in your mind, you think, I deserve better than this? And now you say, well, preacher, I, I, I never ever say that. Oh, you lie. If you got mad about it, you're saying it whether you said it or didn't. Why would you get mad at it if you thought you deserved better? You, you see, we all go through these times in our life. And, and whatever we go through in our life, I, I'm glad God's got a word for us. This is the reason for the word. But I want you to see the revelation of the word. What is exactly is God going to say to Zerubbabel 
that's going to help him? Well, he's going to give him a revelation not only about his days as he lives, but he's going to give him a revelation about the days that are yet to come, the end times. He's going to give him a revelation that, hey, you're part of a plan that goes far beyond the, the earthly days in which you breathe upon this earth. You're part of a plan that I, as God, have part made you a part of because I chose you, and you're going to be part of a king that's going to come one day that's going to be greater than any king that's ever ruled on the face of this earth. And God literally, literally commits himself to protect Zerubbabel and his lineage after him. God sets this one man aside because God has a divine plan for his life. Now, I want you to listen, folks. One of the questions I get asked more than any other question as a pastor it's concerning how can I know the plan of God or the will of God for my life. Now, I always answer that question by quoting two verses. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It's the only way to know the will of God. And you say, well, what do they say? Well, remind us. Well, it says that you what? Are a living sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service, but it's translated worship. And that you be not conformed, but transformed by the renewing of the mind. Why? That you may prove what is the perfect will of God. In other words, as I submit and surrender myself, the will of God finds me. I don't have to find it. See, the reason we have such a struggle to find the will of God is we're not surrendered enough for God to put it in our hearts. See, the will of God is something God puts in your hearts, not in your mind. Because if God just educates you about it and it's not in your heart, then guess what? You're not going to follow through on it. God puts the will of God in your heart. Now, does He make it known through His Word and by His Spirit? He does. But can I tell you, sometimes God's just got to come along and just got to encourage us and just got to tell us, hey, listen, I have a plan for you that's far greater than you could ever understand, and, and I've not, it's not time yet for me to show you what that plan is, but all I can tell you is this, hang on, it's good. And so don't ever feel as a child of God, I'm not being used. Now, can we in disobedience step out in the flesh and, and get to a place where we're not walking in God's plan for our life? We can. But don't ever think God doesn't have a purpose for me. God doesn't have a plan for me. God doesn't want to use me. I, I had a lady one time say, Preacher, said this is God's will for my life that I just sit there and learn. I said, no, you, that's not the God I serve. Listen, I want to tell you something. God doesn't save a person just to sit and learn. God saves a person that we can serve a living God as He prompts us, as He leads us, as He governs, and as He enables us. And so this is the, 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 the revelation in which God's going to give Zerubbabel not only about His day, but also about a day that He knows not of. Now, I want you to look secondly at a word of expectation. He begins here and He says, I will, God's speaking, I will. In verse 22, 
I will shake the heavens, verse 21, and I will overthrow the thrones of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen, and I will. Do you get the picture here? What's God saying? Listen, Zerubbabel, this is not about what I'm asking you to do. This is about what I'm going to do. I will, I will, I will. Whenever God has a plan for somebody's life, it's not a matter of what I can do. It's a matter of what only God can do. Because only God can bring bring about that perfect will in our life. Only God can make it reality in our life. And so God just unpacks these truths. I will shake the heavens and the earth. Meaning there's coming a day when I'll give account to everyone that comes up before me. And I will bring judgment and I will take care of these nations that have come against my people. And then he says, I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. Notice it doesn't say kingdom, it says kingdoms. This speaks of the power in God's protection. Now the whole picture here is God protecting Zerubbabel, and not only Zerubbabel, but his seed, and his seed seed, and his seed seed seed. You say, why? Because God's plan for Zerubbabel goes far beyond Zerubbabel's life. And God has obligated himself. He says, Zerubbabel, listen, you're not going to be overthrown. Israel's not going to be overthrown, because I have a divine plan for you, and I have a divine plan for them. But I'm speaking to you personally. I have a plan, and that plan requires that I will. So all these nations around this little remnant of Israel, far greater, far superior in might, far superior in numbers, far superior in power. And here's what God says. I will overthrow them. And I'll protect you. Now church, listen. Do you really think as a child of God that anything can overcome you unless God allows it? Do you really think that God is so weak that He would allow anything in your life unless He divinely allows it or initiates it? Can I tell you something? Y'all love me, say amen. When God knows my last day, do y'all agree with that? Say amen. Would you agree God knows all of His children's last day? All right? So listen to me out of love. If I stand here healthy as an ox preaching the Word, and this is my last hour, I'm gone. Or if I get COVID, and it's my last hour, I'm gone. Or if I'm on a plane on the way to Israel, and it's my last hour, I'm gone. I hope I get there first before I'm gone, but still, I'm gone. What are you saying, preacher? Here's what I'm saying. That when you are His, nothing touches you unless it's part of His divine plan for you. Nothing. And yet we live in a day today where people are fearful and locking themselves up. Guys, listen. I'm glad that I don't have control of when my life ends. I'm glad that only God has that control. Now, I'm not saying go out and be dumb and jump off a bridge, but here's what I'm saying to you. 
If you are walking in the will of God, God always protects His children. I had a man one time, first church I pastored, he had a massive, massive, massive stroke. He was healthy as an ox and had a massive stroke. Confined him to bed. He couldn't move his um, many of his ex extremities and he was just confined to bed. Just to lift him up, to um, take him, get him, use the restroom, they had to take one of those lifts that you see in nursing homes and hospitals. He was dead weight. He couldn't do anything. I would go see him on a regular basis. And his name was James. And I'll never forget, James looked at me one time when I was over there. And I said, James, I said, let me ask you a question. He said, I said, what do you want me to pray for you as I leave today? Here's what he said to me. He said, Pastor, if I knew I could be used of God, I would pray God would give me more days. He said, but I can't be used of God this way. He said, pray God will take me home. I looked at James and I said, James, I said, is that what God's told you to pray or is that what you want to pray? He looked at me and he said, Pastor, that's just what I want. And I said, well, James, I'm not praying that. He said, well, you asked me what I, you wanted me to pray. I said, I did. I said, but you have a wrong philosophy here. I said, James, how many people come and see you on a week-by-week -week basis? He said, oh, goodness. He said, probably 20, 30 people on a week come in here and see me. I said, James, let me ask you a question. I said, for me to minister and be a witness to people, I've got to go out. God's bringing them to you. I said, you really think God's not using you? He looked at me, tears began to run down his face. I'll never forget it. And his tears began to run down his face. He looked at me and he said, Pastor, he said, you mean God can use me laying in this bed? I said, you can still speak, can't you? He said, yes. I said, then let God be your voice. And you just be a light to those that come and visit you week by week. I'll never forget, I still got it today. It was about six months later, the Lord was done. And the Lord took him. And he only had one request. He told his wife, he told his family, he said, you take whatever you want, you have whatever you want. He said, I've only got one request. And he had his little Bible that he read continuously. And he said to his wife, he said, ask the preacher if he'll, he'll use my Bible at my funeral. And then asked him if he would please keep it. And here's what he said to his wife. If he would keep it to remind him that there's nobody God can't use. y'all hearing me say that? This is what we need to understand. God protects us. Why? Because we have a perfect place in God's perfect plan. 
the power of God's protection. I want you to see, secondly, the permanence of God's protection. He said, I will destroy the strength of kingdoms of the heathen. Now, here's the thing. In, in that day, God's dealing with those nations around him that are greater and powerful. But also God, in a prophetic way, is saying, listen, Zerubbabel, how I'm going to use you, what's going to come from your seed? It's going to be a king like any other king. And in that day that that king comes, he said, I'll literally permanently destroy all nations and there will only be one ruling body. There will only be one ruling person and his name will be Jesus and he'll sit up on the throne of David and he'll rule and reign and all other nations will be permanently dissolved. He said, Zerubbabel, this is the plan I have for you. Yes, you're just a governor over a small remnant, but coming out of your seed will be a king of all kings that will have no competition and will have no kingdoms coming against him. His name will be Jesus. Notice the perfection, perfection in God's protection. How perfect is God in protecting? He said, and I will overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them, and the horses and their riders shall come down. What is this speaking of? The power and the might and the, and the military efficiency of these nations. He said, listen, I won't just overturn their throne and overturn their kingdom. I'll take away their sting. I'll take away their power. They'll have nothing left to utilize against your seed and my king. When God delivered you from sin, did He do a partial work or a full work? Did he just clip the sting of the bee or did he pull the stinger out? Death, where is thy what? Grave, where is thy... Aren't you glad today that whatever God does, he does permanently? Aren't you glad today that when God saved you in His protecting grace, He delivered you from sin? He delivered you from the, the, from the penalty of sin the moment He saved you? He's moment by moment delivering you from the power of sin, and one day He's going to deliver you from the very presence of sin. In other words, God's doing a permanent work in your life where sin will never have to be an issue for you one day. You see this is God's perfect, perfecting, permanent and perfecting work. Notice the pathway of God's protection. And everyone by the sword of his own brother. What does that mean? God will raise up within these nations, people against people, nation against nation. And nations will destroy themselves. Are we seeing that today? You see, all this is by God's design. None of this is by accident. None of this is by happenstance. All this is just as God designed it. Now listen to me. When I flip on the news, I want to break my TV most of the time. But can I tell you when I want to do that, the reason for it? The reason I get so mad when I flip on the news, can I tell you why? 
because I've forgotten that all this is part of God's plan. And God's in control. I don't care if Howdy Doody becomes president in November. The Bible says God puts the kings in office. Y'all say amen. Now, does the Bible say what it says or does it say what it says? Now, that doesn't mean that that takes away your obligation to vote biblical principles. It's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying to you, if you go out and vote biblical principles and somebody else gets in office, are you going to complain to God? When God's the one that puts king? Have you ever thought that sometimes God puts a heathen in office as judgment for a country? The pathway of God's protection. Well, look thirdly and lastly. Boy, this will make you shout right here. This is awesome. The word of exaltation. So he gives a word of encouragement. He gives a word of expectation. Listen, you need to know, Zerubbabel, I'm going to protect you because you're part of my divine plan. He says, but I want to give you something. You, you think you're just a governor. But there's coming a day when you will be exalted. Your seed will be exalted above every other seed. Look, look at this with me. This is an amazing little passage. He begins here, he says, In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, I will take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Sheatiel, saith the Lord, and make thee, and make thee. What is he speaking of? He's speaking of the seed of Zerubbabel. And what do you mean by that? Well, here's the amazing thing. Zerubbabel, being the grandson of Jehoiakim, was in the lineage of David. And because of that, guess what? The seed being the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. Guess what he's called in the Old Testament? He's not called Jesus. He's not called Messiah. He's called David. In other words, in many passages in the Old Testament, after King David had breathed his last breath in a prophetic utterance, God would say, hey, there's coming a ruler one day. There's coming a shepherd one day. He is my David. God's speaking of the seed of Zerubbabel. Let me show you some of this. This is so picturesque for us to see. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 23. I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David, and he shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. How many agree that picture is the Lord Jesus? Amen. Ezekiel 37, verse 24 and 25. And David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they all shall have one shepherd. They also shall walk in my judgments, observe my statutes, and do them. And they shall dwell in a land that I have given unto Jacob my servant and wherein the fathers have dwelt. And they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be the prince forever. What is that talking about? The millennial. Jeremiah 30 verse 9, But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king. Hosea chapter 3 verse 5, Afterwards shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall fear the Lord and His goodness in the latter days. Can I tell you something? 
Here's what God's telling Zerubbabel. He said, oh, Zerubbabel, don't be discouraged. Don't think that you're not being used to me. Don't think that you just being a governor over this little remnant is something to look down on and to discourage you. He said, i got news for you. You're in a royal line of my plan. You're in the royal line of my divine plan. And listen, Zerubbabel, you need to understand, there's a seed going to come from you that is going to be the one shepherd, the one king that's going to rule forever and ever and ever. Notice, secondly, not only the seed of Zerubbabel, but the signet of Zerubbabel. He says here in the bottom of verse 23, and will make thee a signet. My servant, and I'll make thee a signet. Now what in the world is he talking about? There was a ring in that day that only the kings would have. They were called signet rings. Now the thing about these signet rings was they became literally the essence of the king's whole rule. Without that signet ring, the king could not rule at all. In other words, that signet ring was as important to that king as his own throne. And he protected it as such. And here's what God tells Zerubbabel. I'm going to make you my signet ring. And you say, preacher, what does that mean? Well, notice first the significance of the signet. Here's what's unique about Zerubbabel's story. How many of you agree sometimes God will overturn your past that He can use you in a mighty way? Well, you remember I told you His grandfather was King Jehoiakim. What's unique about King Jehoiakim? Well, he so disobeyed God that God disavowed him as king. How did God disavow him as king? Well, let me show you. Look with me, if you will, at Jeremiah 22, verse 24. As I live, saith the Lord, though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet upon thy right hand, yet would I pluck thee hence. What does that mean? It means God disavowed this king and literally plucked the ring off of his hand, took his authority away, took his power away. And yet God comes to the grandson of this very king in which God disavowed and condemned. And he said, listen, Zerubbabel, I'm not going to give you a signet. Because you're not a king. But I'm going to do one better. I'm going to make you my signet. In other words, you're going to be my vessel. Whereby all my divine decree and all my divine plan and all my divine authority is going to flow through you and your seed. Now let me ask you a question. If you're discouraged and God tells you that, what would you say? Isn't it amazing? So God literally reversed the curse that was up on His grandfather and renewed a new covenant with Zerubbabel. And God said, I'm going to make you my signet. I want to dive into this, what it means a little bit more. By the way, would, would it surprise you if I told you this? That if you go to the Gospels and you go to Matthew and Luke, what do you find in Matthew and Luke? You find the two sides of the genealogies of the Lord Jesus. 
You find it from, from Joseph's side, you find it from Mary's side. Guess what? Zerubbabel's in both. Zerubbabel is in the genealogies of Matthew chapter 1, verse 12, and Luke chapter 3, verse 27. And here's what God did. God made Zerubbabel of such that he would be a, a, a seed to the very Messiah. And God put him in both genealogies. By the way, which was extremely rare. It's one thing to be in one genealogy. It's another thing to be in both genealogies. What was God saying? I'm protecting you. I'm protecting you. All right, watch what it, what it goes on. Notice secondly, not only that, but the surety of the signet. It, it speaks of, of identification. In other words, when that signet ring was put on, that signet ring would be impressed within a document or within a decree that the king would make. And as it was impressed within that parchment, it would be a seal that this document is to be identified forever with the king. And it should never, ever be treated in any other way as being directly identified with the king. In other words, to go against the covenant of a king Whose, rim, whose ring has been insignated in that document is literally to go against the king himself. And so here's what God told Zerubbabel. He said, you're my signet. In other words, everything I'm planning to do, everything that I've planned out in, in, in all the future that's coming with the Christ and the Messiah and the, the birth and, and the second coming and the rule and reign for a thousand years in the millennial. He said, Zerubbabel, guess what? You are the signet. You are the authority. You are the one that I'm going to work through to do it. You're him. Notice the sovereignty in the signet. And speaking of authority, it literally says that Zerubbabel, I'm giving you a place in my plan. It's far greater than just being an earthly king. Because the authority of all I'm going to do is going to be flowing through your seed and your seed only. By the way, children of God, listen to me. When God saved you, He made you kings and He made you priests. So guess how God exercises His authority? Through His children. Adrian Rogers called it kingdom authority in which you and I have at our disposal. See, God is sovereignly in control. But I want you to look at this next aspect, because here's my favorite. The specialness of the signet. Here's something about a signet that, to me, is just special. A king would only wear a signet in one of two places. He'd wear it on his right hand. Why on his right hand? Well, the right hand is the hand of authority and power or he would wear it around his neck. He wouldn't wear it anywhere else but his right hand of authority or around his neck. And here's the thing about a king. A king would never, ever, ever take that signet ring off unless 
He was giving it to someone else to exercise the authority of the king. Let me give you an example, Nehemiah. You remember when Nehemiah was going to build the walls, King Artaxerxes? What did he do? He says, here, Nehemiah, here's my signet ring. Go and get whatever you need to build the walls. In other words, a king would guard that signet ring with his very life. That's the reason he would wear it on his right hand or around his neck. It was so special to him that the symbol of all his rule and all his reign was in that one little ring. Does it not catch you that God says to Zerubbabel, you're my signet? How special does that make Zerubbabel? How special are you to God? Can I tell you? Because the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the seal. John chapter 6. And when God saved you, guess what He did? He put Christ in you. So therefore, God's seal, God's signet, the edifying of all that God does is in the person of Christ. And God, in His mercy, in His grace, in His love, would take Christ and put Him in you and me. So here's what, in essence, what God was saying. He said, Zerubbabel, He says, right now, in the spiritual realm, I'm placing you on my right finger, I'm placing you around my neck, and I'm going to treat you like a king would treat his own signet ring. And I'm not going to let you go. If God be for us, who can be? Why is God so protective over His children? Because we have the special gift of His Son living within us. It's an amazing thing. Song of Solomon. You know, this Shunammite woman has found her love in a little shepherd boy. A lot of people misinterpret Song of Solomon thinking the Shulamite has fell in love with Solomon. It's not that at all. The battle of the Song of Solomon is Solomon has pulled her into his courts but yet her eyes are out in the fields of a little shepherd boy. And the shepherd boy has just caught her heart. And in the last chapter of Song of Solomon, listen to what she says to this little shepherd boy. Set me as a seal upon thine heart. Make me special as the king would his signet. As a seal upon thy arm. For love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as a grave. The coals there are, the coals of fire, which hath most vehement flame. What is he, she saying? Let me be special to your heart. That you'd be jealous with over me. With a special jealousy. That I can know that you deem me to be special. How does God see us? Special. Not because of who we are, but because of who Christ is in us. Lastly, and I'm done. The selection of Zerubbabel. I have chosen thee, saith the Lord. 
Zerubbabel, before you ever were, I had a plan for you. Before you ever a twinkle in your mother's eye, I had already laid out your, your pathway. Matter of fact, Zerubbabel, from the foundation of the world, I had already spoke of your seed that would overcome the enemy. When did God put His plan in place for me? Before you ever were. You say, well, what if I wouldn't have been saved? Oh, God knew you would be. He's all-knowing. Is there anything God don't know? I mean, did, when the day God saved you, did, did the Lord up, up in heaven, did He go, wow, I didn't see that coming? That's what we do sometimes. I mean, somebody will get saved that I've been praying for for a long time, and I'll go, wow, <laughs> I didn't expect that today. But God never does that. So when did God plan out your life? Before you ever were. God told Jeremiah, I had my plans for you before you ever were in your mother's womb. See, it's not a matter has God got a special plan for our lives. That's not the issue. The issue is, are you willing to walk in it? And willing to understand as you walk in it that God treats you in the same way He treats His own Son, His signet. You're special to Him. And He'll protect you every step of the way. Father, I thank You tonight for the precious truth of Your plans for our lives. Father, I ask that You would just glorify Yourself and encouraging us that, Father, no matter what's going on in our life, no matter how little we feel like we're being used, that You have something special for every one of our lives. And yes, we need to come to a place of, of surrender and being a living sacrifice. So that we can walk and understand and know what that pathway is and we can walk in it moment by moment, day by day. But Father, no matter what our enemy tells us, remind us that your plan for us, just like your plan for Zerubbabel, is far greater far greater than we probably understand. How you use us is far greater than we can see with our physical eyes. Help us to be reminded of that truth. I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's children said,